0: Hey, so... It's really good just to just to be here again with you today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna continue. Um, last week we kicked off a new series um, where we're gonna be um, going through the Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And so if you have your Bible, um, you can start turning to Ephesians chapter one. If you're using one of the pew Bibles in front of you, um, that's on page 976 in that Bible. Um, and so that's where we're gonna be hanging out. Um, but while you're going there, I thought we could just uh, play a little game on the screen here a little bit. See how well your perspective is on things, um, and so, so if we can go to that first one, so um, if you look here, here's the question, is this floor flat, or is there huge divots in it, what do you think, is it flat, or is, is there divots in this, it's flat, right, it's, 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 a, it's a perspective thing, but I think I would trip and fall just walking across this floor for sure, um, and so let's, uh, let's jump to the next one, and the next one is, is this girl underwater, or just splashing in the water? She's actually just splashing in the water. So um, those of you who got that right, way to go. Um, And then let's let's go to the next one. Here's the famous one, right? What color is the dress? Is it black and blue or gold and something else? Um, What do you think? Let's do this. Okay, if you think it's black and blue, raise your hand. Yeah, thank you for viewing the world correctly. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, it really is black and blue, um, but there's something scientific about why it looks different for some people. So um, then let's go to one more here. Um, okay, what is this a picture of? It's actually a picture of somebody's car that got messed up. Um, and you can kind of see this at the bottom of the door. There's the ground underneath it. Um, and And so... And so you kind of see that now a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. You see, you see. There's there's a lot of things in life. There's a lot of things in life that are, that are a matter of perspective. Um, they're are a matter of perspective. And I would say that that worship is all about perspective. Worship is all about perspective. In And oftentimes, I believe that we can be very short-sighted in this life. Um, We can be very short-sighted when it comes to worship, and and we can easily lose our perspective. And so so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through our passage today. I going to read through our passage today, and, and then I just want to just um, I, I just want to help us hopefully, and I think this is Paul's goal in this passage as well. Um, but but I want to reorient our perspective around how it should be. So let me read this to let's, let me read this for you, um, and then we will jump into it. So uh, Ephesians chapter one, we'll, we'll just pick it up in verse one. Um, And this is what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that We Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth in the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would pray. Praise and glorify him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, just allowing us to gather in a room like this today and be be able to just kind of work through these verses today. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes to the truth of your word. Um, Help us to um, see and really see and hear and really hear. Um, I pray that you would just bless Bless our time over the next few moments in jesus name amen so so this is paul's letter to the church in ephesus and, and we we kind of um began that last week and, and we we went to Acts chapter nineteen to kind of look at how the the, the church in Ephesus even began we said um, we said that that uh, Ephesus was an incredibly difficult place that, that, that you wouldn't have imagined the gospel being able to take deep root, that, that, that you wouldn't, uh, you would have thought, man, that there's just not a lot of hope for that city being transformed by the gospel. And yet, we know that God took a small group of believers, and they faithfully proclaimed the word of God, and as they proclaimed the word of God, God w- worked in, in, in a mysterious and in an unusual way um, w- through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church began to grow and explode in Ephesus, and it was just a really cool thing to see how God can take even the most impossible situations and do incredible works, um, and do incredible works, and so this is what we looked at last week. And so Paul has since left Ephesus, and and, and he is gone, and there's been some time that has passed, and, and he's now in prison, and he is writing to these people. That, he, has spent, that he, spent, he spent over two years with, investing his life in, pouring into this group of people. And this is who he's, he, he's writing to. And there's no doubt as he begins this letter, he is reflecting back on how this church began in such an unlikely way. He is reflecting back on how great and merciful God was to work in the way that he did And so he begins this letter, he begins this letter trying to reorient and remind the people of Ephesus of who God is and what he has done on their behalf. He he is reminding them of who God is. Because because you see this, that, that, that we worship, we worship God when we have a big view of God. When we see and remember and reflect on how magnificent He is. And yet we have short-term memory a lot of times. We we our our, our minds can can quickly begin to, to, to lose perspective. And things, that, things that, that, that aren't really all that important can begin to become really important to us and can begin to take the place of Worship. You see, um, this is what he says in verse 3. He says, all praise to God. The interesting thing about the word all here in the original language is that it means all. Like, like all praise, all worship, all, all glory belongs to God. All of it. Every single last bit of it. You and I, we were made for worship. We were wired for worship. We were made for praise. And you don't, I mean, like, like, you, don't, like, like you don't have to go very far to, to, to begin unearthing that truth and that reality, right? Like, like you go to just about any concert and you see people lifting their hands, whether it's a Christian concert, it doesn't matter. It, like people are lifting their hands, they're, they're singing these songs, Right? You Taylor Swift fans in the room know what I'm talking about. Right? Like, like I just, I've, I've, with her tour going on, like, I've just seen so many pictures of grown adults bawling their eyes out at Taylor Swift's concert. And I'm just like, okay. You know? Um, that, that is what it is. Like, like you have f- grown men who paint their bodies of their favorite sports team's colors and yell at the TV for hours. Right? Like, like we are wired for worship. You have people who will spend hours in line to get the latest technology or gadget. You have foodies, you know who you are in the room, who, who are always raving about the latest and greatest restaurant around, telling you about the, the, the best food that you can find in different places. People who are telling you about their favorite books, their favorite TV shows, um, the, the, how they got a great deal at this store over here their shopping experiences, and the list can go on and on. None of these things are necessarily bad things to talk about. Don't hear me say you shouldn't. You shouldn't Like, tell me about the good food places, please. I want to know. Um, but, but all of these things point to the reality that we were made for praise, that we are wired for worshiping something. We are wired for worshiping something. And I think if we're honest today, I think all of us have had times in our lives where we have allowed the, 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 the praise and worship of the things of this world, the things that, that were created by God, we have allowed those things to become ultimate in our affections. We've we allowed those things to, to, to capture the affections of our heart and become ultimate. And instead of us, us taking a great bite of food, like just, and I think I've said this in your performance say I'm probably going to say it a lot of times over the years, so just, you're going to get used to it. But fajitas, right? Awesome. Anybody fajitas fan? Okay, if you don't, hand, your hand's on up, you don't have taste buds. So, it's all good. But, but God put the, 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 the flavors of fajitas together so that when you take that unbelievable first bite, that those flavors explode in your mouth and your thoughts should begin to roll up and think, oh, how good is God? (laughs) He created fajitas. He put those flavor combinations together. And everything that God has created is meant to do that, is meant to, to cause our affections to roll up and worship him. But oftentimes, oftentimes when I know from my own life Is 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 I can take a good bite of fajitas and and it just stops there. My, 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 My thankfulness for who God is and what he has done just stops right there. All of us, I think, are guilty of this. All of us have at one time or another failed to acknowledge God for the gifts he has given us. All of us have exchanged the worship of the Creator for the creation. And ultimately, this is at the heart of all sin. Like, like if you want to talk about sin, it, it, fundamentally, all sin is a worship issue. All sin is a, is a worship problem. And, this, and when this happens, when, when we begin to worship the things of this earth rather than the, the one who created it all, this is what the Bible calls idolatry. And it flows from a wrong perspective of who God is and what he has done. It flows from a a misbelief, a failure to believe that God is who he says he is and that he has done what he said he did. It's a failure to believe. We are wired for worship and it's a matter of perspective. And so Paul here in this passage is reorienting our perspective on who God is and what he has done so so that we can remember that all praise and worship and glory and honor belongs to him alone and this is what paul is is, is what we see paul doing here and so so he says this in verse 3 he says all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Why does all praise belong to God? Because God has blessed those who have been united with Christ in faith, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus because of what he has accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection, that you are now united with Christ. And because we are united with Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing. Like like you, if you have your faith in Jesus, you have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It has been granted to us by our Father in heaven. So all praise belongs to him. And then in verse four, it says this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before God said the word, Earth. He thought of you, he thought of me, and he looked out on all eternity from beginning to end, and he says, I love you. I love you. God, God, God loves you. I know that some people come in here with, 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 with a past where maybe you feel unlovable. You, you, you feel like um, you don't deserve love, and yet God saw you before he even spoke the world into motion and says, I love that person. I love you, and I love you, and I love you, I love you. He, he loves you. Before the world ever began, he says He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes to be holy and without fault in his eyes how do we know that God is love as John would tell us in first John chapter four we know that God is love because he chose us to be in Christ holy and without blemish so God not only loved us but he demonstrated his love for us his his he didn't just say he loved us He, he he actually did something about it he made us holy and without blemish in his eyes Well, how how did he do that? Well, well, he sends Christ on the cross. He sends Christ. He lives a perfect life. And God pours out the wrath meant for you and for me onto Jesus on the cross. And the the, the wrath that that, that we deserve, Jesus absorbed on the cross. And then three days later, Christ rose from the dead. and, And now this is, the, this is the good news, right? The, the good news is that, 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 that his righteousness, Jesus' sinlessness, is now placed on every single person who would believe. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 like this. He says, he who knew no sin, being Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's what this just said. This, this, this said that, that, that in Jesus we have had the righteousness of Jesus laid on us. So now when God looks down on us, he doesn't see how messed up we are. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He doesn't see a, a cleaned up version of Marcus. He doesn't see a, a version that, that, that has been wiped off. No, he sees the literal righteousness of Christ on you and me because of our faith in Christ. And this makes us holy and this makes us without blemish and this allows us to access God and have relationships. With him. All praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He loved us, that He made a way for us to be in relationship with Him, but He doesn't just stop there. Verse 5 He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great. Pleasure. And it gave him great pleasure. So, so my wife and I, Kayla, um, we adopted um, a a little boy named Judah, and um, he is wild and great and it's awesome. Um, But but here's the thing Um, we we decided separately from one another, um, before we were married, before we had even met one another, that we knew that one day we wanted to adopt. We decided separate from one another in advance that one day we were going to adopt a child with whoever we married or, or however that looked. And, um, and, and, and God, being gracious, allowed us to do that. Um, and, and in the same way, God decided in advance that it wasn't enough that, that, that he just um, reconcile our relationship with him. It wasn't enough that that, that he just was our judge, right? Like, Because God justifying us makes him judge. He didn't just want to be judge. He wanted to be father. And so so he could have stopped at just justifying us. But he goes the next step in, in demonstrating his love for us. And he actually adopts every single person who puts their faith in Jesus. He adopts you into his family. He adopts you in his family. When I was in eighth grade, I was in a musical called Annie. Anybody seen Annie, the movie or the musical? You know what I'm talking about? It's hard. Not, you know, like, I, you, I won't do that to you. But um, I didn't sing in that musical. I was a butler or something. I had like two lines. It was, there you go. But um, but but I remember in that, uh, I remember when I watched the movie the first time, I remember, uh, you know, Annie, she gets adopted by um, Warbucks, right? Like this Millionaire, billionaire in the 20s um, and, or 30s. I don't know when it was. But, um, and she gets adopted. I remember thinking, man, that, that's awesome. Like if you're going to get adopted, she won the lottery, right? Like she gets adopted by this incredibly wealthy person. But, but can I just tell you that, that the fact that you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, are adopted by God is, makes that look silly. That our God it says in scripture that, that to him belong the heavens and the heavens of heavens. That the that, that cattle on a thousand hill belong to Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not from a, a farming, ranching kind of community. Um, that's not where I'm from. But I know that, that whoever owns the cows has the money, right? Um, and and, and so, so our father is the creator of the universe and he owns it all. And he said, Before the foundation of the world, I not only want to love you and and rescue you. I I I don't just want to justify you, but I want to adopt you as my own children. And now, whatever is true for the father's children, whatever rights they have privilege to, we now have rights as children of God. All to the praise of the glory of our Father. All praise belongs to him. He has demonstrated his love for us in profound, powerful ways. And it's all possible because of what Jesus did through the cross and resurrection. And I love how that verse ends. He wanted to do it. In fact, it gave him great pleasure. God was not obligated to adopt us into his family. He did not feel." Comp- he wasn't like, "Oh, well, I guess, I guess I'll do that." No, no, He, he does it with joy, bringing us into his family all by his grace and now here's a here's a here's a a side blessing of him adopting us into his family is that not only do we have a father who is perfect in heaven no matter how messed up our earthly fathers were or, or are that that our father in heaven is perfect and and he can do it in every way but also now we have a family an imperfect family for sure but we have brothers and sisters in Jesus that can encourage us, can walk alongside us, that, that, that can um, point us to who he is. Verse 6 and 7, let's see what happens next here, how Paul demonstrates who God is. He says, so we praise God for the glorious grace which he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom, that he redeemed us with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And forgave our sins. Not only does Jesus make us holy and without fault in the the eyes of God, and, and not only are we adopted into the family of God, but he actually set us free. He purchased our freedom. He redeemed us with the blood of his one and only son. He redeemed us. That, 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 that whatever sin is so easily entangling you in your life right now, whatever sin that is, is that you don't have to be enslaved to that anymore. You are not bound to that anymore. You have been set free from that because Jesus has paid for your freedom. Now, now here's what I know. I know that, that, that we are short-sighted creatures, right? And, and, and we lose sight of who God is and what he has done for us often. And so we are very quick to go and put the shackles of our sin back on. And continue to live in slavery even though we have been set free. This is, this, is, this is what's natural for us. This is what is easy for us at times. Sometimes we, we are more comfortable living in sin than we are living to Christ, and yet Christ has said, you have been set free. Stop putting on the shackles of your old life. That's not who you are anymore. You've been set free and, and, I, and I know that that's an oversimplification. Sometimes it takes years of counseling and, and you've got to work through some of that, but, but you have to work through it. You can't just be content with staying with your sin. You have to do, do war against your sin. You have to fight against it. You have to get help sometimes. You have to say, say, hey, I can't handle this on my own. I need someone to come alongside me and walk through this with me. And that's why the church exists, so that we can go to war against sin together setting one another free, putting sin to death. But, uh, and here's what I love about verse 8, and it says this, it says, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He didn't just leave us to figure this out on our own, that he actually has blessed us with wisdom and understanding so that we can walk the life that he's called us to walk, that that, that we can walk in the freedom he has set us free to, that we can follow Jesus. He's given us the wisdom and understanding. And so this can look a lot of different ways, but I think that there's a few things that are Always going to be a part of walking in wisdom and walking in freedom, and I think the first one is prayer. Um, we're always going to be saying, "God, I need your help with this." Um, number two, it's going to always involve scripture. Okay, we believe God's word is uh, authoritative. It is. Um, it is full and able to Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen and seventeen that is profitable for teaching, um, preaching, reproof, and there's some other things in there. I can't remember at right the second, but um, it, it is. God's word is what we have to come back to over and over again. And so it's always going to involve prayer, always going to involve God's word, and it's always going to require us to be honest with yourself and someone else. At least one other person. Me, I would say a community of people that, that, that our faith was never meant to be lived out in private. It's always been a community project that we need one another. You can't do this on your own. We were made to, 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 to do life with other people. And so, so he has set us free and he's given us the wisdom and understanding of how to walk in this freedom. Verse 9 and 10, he, he tells us that, 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 that there is purpose, that, that all of history is moving towards a, a, an, an end. All of history is moving towards an end where everything in heaven and on earth is going to come under the authority of Christ, that everything is moving towards that. And as followers of Jesus, we get to live with that purpose in mind, that we get to be a part of of bringing all things back to Jesus. to to, to restoring things as they should be. We get to play a part in what God is doing in and through that. And then verse 11 through 14. Here we go. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. There it is again. He chose us in advance to make everything work out according to his plan. Not your plan, but his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you and you have believed in Christ and he identified you as his own. Here's what basically Paul is saying. There's no second class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. There's nobody that is too far gone. There's nobody that's messed up so bad. There's, there's, there's nobody, like, like just because I'm up here teaching doesn't make me better than you. Doesn't mean that God loves me more than you. That, that God has loved us all equally and on the same level. And he has demonstrated that love equally to us all. No matter your past no matter your socioeconomic status, no, no matter, no matter your, um, your race, no matter, no matter your uh, political viewpoints, like God has demonstrated his love equally to all people. And what I love about that is that God doesn't love the cleaned up version of you. He, he, loves, he loves you in your darkest, most desperate place in your life. He sees you there and he said, I love you and I want you to be part of my family. Verse verse 14. He says, "The spirit oh, into verse 13, it says, "By giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago, the spirit is God's guarantee." that he will give us an inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Finally, Paul explains here that in Jesus, being united with Jesus that that that, that in him he has given us the holy spirit as a down payment for the future inheritance we are to have for eternity that the Holy Spirit indwells the heart of every believer. He indwells us, he he leads us, he guides us, he comforts us, and we we did a whole thing on the Holy Spirit um, back in the Gospel of John, and so I'm not going to dive into it all now, but but know that the Holy Spirit is our down payment, that he is the, the down payment to the inheritance we have to come. He has sealed us. Which means this, and this is what we believe. We believe that once you have put your faith in Jesus, that you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot lose it. Like, like It's not like, well, I, I did really good this week, so I'm saved, or I did really bad this week, so God must be mad at me, and I'm not saved anymore. No, 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 no. No, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you and he seals you, which means that nothing can now separate you from the love of God. Nothing can pull you out of the Father's hand, that you are his once and for all and that you will be his forever. Our God is not fickle. He, he doesn't, he isn't, he isn't tossed to and fro like you and I are. Like, like there can be moments where I, I, I'm really, uh, I, I, I'm excited about something And then the next moment, I'm like, oh, that's the worst idea ever, right? Like, I can swing back and forth, but God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will not pull your salvation away just because you had a bad week. And when we realize that, when when we begin to realize these things, when we begin to, to understand And and remember and reflect that this is who God is. That, That this is who not only God said he was, but this is how he has demonstrated himself to us. When we understand that, then our perspective begins to change. We can begin to reorient our perspective and we can begin to worship God no matter our circumstance. Paul is writing this in prison. He, he's in prison, about to be killed because he's a follower of Jesus. And he's saying, all praise be to God because of the blessing of being known as a child of God. And so, so what, what I know today is that, that oftentimes we, we become so short-sighted. We, 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 we lose our perspective. And we allow the things of this world, to creep in and begin to, to, to choke and, and push out our worship and love and affection for God. But worship is about perspective. And so the question for today is, how is your perspective? The question is not, is not do you worship? We are wired for worship. You are worshiping something right now. Our lives, and, and I'm not just talking about the songs we sing, when we, like that, that's a part of worship and it's an important part of worship. And I'm thankful for it. But, but we worship every single day, something or someone. And the question is, is, is your life oriented in a, fa- in, in a way that, that allows you to worship God? Is your perspective around who he is Who or what are you worshiping? Worship is about perspective. And so how is your perspective today? I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and so, so as, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Who sits on the throne of your heart and your life. Is it God? Is it your job? Is it your family and your kids? Is it possessions? Is it comfort? Is it security? Is it marriage? Is it another relationship? Like who who, who or what are you orienting your life around? What has your ultimate affections in life? Because I know from my own life, how easy it is for those things of this world to begin to creep in and begin to steal my worship that belongs to God. Begin to, to, to rob, rob me of being able to, to just sing out and praise with all that is in me. All praise to you, Father in heaven. All glory to you. So the question's not, will you worship? It's who will you worship? And so, so if you're here today, and, and you would say, Marcus, I, I am a, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a believer, but, but I just want to confess and ask for prayer and ask, ask for help today that, that I've, I've been worshiping something else, and it can be anything. And you would just say, Hey, Marcus, I, I I've been, been battling with this, and I, I just. Would you just pray for me? I'm not going to come to you or weird you. I just, I just want to see you so I can just be praying across the room. Anybody like that today that said, hey, I've been worshiping things other than God, other things than God have stolen my affections, and, and I just need some help. Would you just pray? Nobody looking around but me. Okay. 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 Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Um, we thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your love. Jesus, I pray that in my own life, just where, 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 where other, the things of this world can begin to creep in, where the things of this world can begin to, to rob me of, of my affections and my love for you. I pray, Lord, that, that our hearts would turn towards you today, that we would turn from those things and turn towards you. Jesus, we need you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.